0: Ukrainians are celebrating, chanting in support of the armed forces. They have regained control of Kherson. The lives and health of our troops always take priority, said the Russian defense minister Sergei Shoigu, while ordering the retreat of his army. The reality is the army could not hold its supply lines. As President Biden said about the Russian army...
1: And it's evidence of the fact that they have some real problems, Russian, the Russian military.
0: Today's guest is Professor Richard Schulz, who is the director of the International Security Studies Program of Fletcher School at Tufts University. I had the chance to meet Professor Schulz at the lobby of his hotel during a brief visit in Athens and discuss about Russia's Potemkin army, and what Putin can do now. Uh, Professor Schultz, thank you so much for being here today with us. It's
1: my pleasure.
0: Um, you you have written and you uh, follow a lot what's going on in Ukraine, among amongst other things. I would like to ask you, in the beginning of the war, nobody believed that uh, the Russian army would perform so badly. And at the same time that the Ukrainian uh, side would do so well, neither Putin uh, nor the US security, the intelligence forces. What happened there?
1: I think they made the classic mistake of estimating the power of an army based on its new equipment. And Russia had a lot of new equipment. Due to modernization by Putin, many new tanks, armored personnel carriers, airplanes, and so on, and it looked like a mismatch. Now the problem in doing those sorts of estimates is you don't estimate how well can the forces use that equipment, and how well can that equipment be maintained. And in both cases, um, there's been a great failure, maintenance mm-hmm. um, of Equipment? Terrible. Uh, No tires for trucks, no oil for engines, things like that. So big problem. Second, the army. The army is not prepared for the modern battlefield. The Ukrainian army was prepared for the modern battlefield.
0: The Ukrainian army, because also of its uh, involvement, let, let's say its collaboration with NATO at the time and the help from the West, I guess you mean?
1: It's, it's not just the immediate help from the West, it's the retraining of the Ukrainian army over the last five years to be able to fight on the modern battlefield. They're trained the way we train our army. Now, that, th- this can get complicated, but let me put it this way it, on the modern battlefield, local commanders have to be able to take initiative the russian army isn't prepared for that they're still fighting the old style where the generals back behind the lines give the decision make the decisions for the troops at the front it's not the modern battlefield
0: can we see historical analogies when it comes to that like in the past russia has learned from its uh Past history,
1: I, I think we we can see that um, many leaders um, on embarking on war uh, are overconfident of their forces. Putin was overconfident of his forces. He's not the first leader to make that mistake.
0: Uh, I saw a bit the finances of the war, and when it comes to financial terms, the amount of money spent on uh, defense, on the military uh, of Russia, isn't that high if you compare it to other countries. So it's not a great power uh, budget, military budget, one would say.
1: So that didn't help either. Uh, That's true, and then you have to compound that with the fact that the military budget is affected by corruption. So there's tremendous corruption in the logistics system. That's why things, you know, spare parts were not available because it, the the money's been skimmed by corruption. They've, they've um, tried, I remember reading, two or three fairly senior officials for corruption.
0: And, um, Uh, I've read that uh, they have been selling the fuels in in the past. So tanks were abandoned here and there, uh, lack of fuel. Even the mills that were uh, expanded Mm -hmm, back in 2015. So it seems the preparation was, to say the least, not good enough. Um, So it it didn't work out. Uh, We have seen that in practice when it comes to the military capability. What, um, how does Putin deal with that? What it happens today after so many months?
1: Well, I, I think he, he has to face up to the fact that he's not going to win this war on the ground uh, in Ukraine. Uh, in fact, uh, his army uh, is losing this war. So uh, now he has to figure out, how can I coerce the Ukrainians to do my will? That's what he. That's where he's at.
0: By, for example, uh, having this terror um, with the drones and heat, uh, targeting the energy sector of the country and other solutions.
1: That's that's right, and I call this um, the Aleppo strategy. So when when Russia went to save Assad in Syria, the uh, ISIS and the, the other other groups fighting uh, Assad. Their their main, one of their main areas was Aleppo. And what the Russian army or what the Russian military did was the same thing they did to Grozny in the early 2000s. They obliterated it. They literally leveled the city. And and if you look at the pictures of Aleppo and Grozny, they look the same.
0: Um, so we see a war that is... Let's say um, that has no morality. That war crimes go to the largest extreme. Would we say that?
1: I would say that that war crimes are an integral part of the Russian strategy. And I would give you the example of the bombing of schools. So we know that that Russia has bombed between two and three hundred schools in. Ukraine that doesn't happen by accident one school five schools 10 schools maybe accident between 2 and 300 they're systematically destroying schools they're systematically destroying infrastructure
0: in order to win the war in other sides do you believe i mean the international community has been monitoring the war crimes in this war since day 1 do you see do you believe we're going to ha- uh, they're going to hold someone accountable for that. Do you see Putin being uh, uh, going to trial for that?
1: I, I think that well, he'll never go physically to trial, but I think the international community uh, will have to have a virtual Nuremberg mm-hmm. for this, and it, not just Putin, you know, but uh, the senior leadership around him and the generals who are responsible for this scorched earth policy. They all have to be tried, even if it's in absentia.
0: Do you believe uh, he's going to resort
1: to nuclear solutions, uh, actions? Or? No one can answer that question. We, we know that he's chirped about it, you know, he's talked about it. Now some of his generals have talked about it. I, I I believe that he's been told by the United States, in specific terms, what the consequences will be of the use of a, of a small-yield mm-hmm. nuclear weapon.
0: Uh, how do you see the reaction of the rest of uh, the international community, Europe and China, uh, in this war?
1: Well, I think Europe, and especially NATO, has, has un- undergone a sea change. Mm-hmm. Um, so NATO has really stood up, uh, and, and that's quite remarkable given the number of countries involved and, and how many of them felt about security before this. So NATO has been quite strong, and I think Europe in general has been strong. Other, other places, of course, have backed Putin. Um, uh, China uh, is especially true. Uh, so uh, he has, you know, he he has places he can turn to uh, for support, but they're small; they're few in number. China is a big player.
0: Yeah, but uh, for now, China is trying to to remain a bit on the side. China
1: is trying to walk between the raindrops on this, and um, uh, and this is a big problem, I think, for Xi, um, but Putin. Is is finding himself isolated, and after this war is over, the consequences for Russia—not just Putin, but for Russia—I think—are going to be serious. In terms of
0: uh, destroying both the infrastructure, the economy, and the values in the country, can- know, the values, like the way the, ca- the country works, I guess you. you well, may- what
1: what I mean is that when this is over. Um, Russia doesn't go back to business as usual. There's going to be war crimes trials. There are going to be uh, ways of forcing Russia uh, to pay for what they've done in, in Ukraine. So, uh, and, and, and so, in a way, I think Russia is going to be turned into a pariah.
0: So you seem. Uh, it seems like um, uh, we are sure that at some point Russia will lose, which is a very, very difficult to define what losing means right now. But uh, how do you see the near future of the war? I mean, the war developing during winter—that changes a so lot. It,
1: it's going to go through the winter, and this is Putin's hope that the winter will weaken the resolve of Europe and NATO, uh, and and that. This will help him find a way out of the war. Uh, I don't think so. I think that it's going to be tough for, for Europeans uh, because of energy. But uh, there is no way that, that I can see a negotiated settlement where Russia uh, comes out of this uh, in some way that is not a, a major uh, uh, cr- criticism and charges against them for what they've done. But
0: uh, I mean, uh, Europe supports Ukraine, and but for example, now we have the midterm elections, and already uh, we have heard many voices saying that we should cut back on that the US should cut back support when it comes to Ukraine, the Senate uh, um, might go to the Republicans. So will Ukraine continue to receive the support it needs to continue fighting this war with uh, military, quote-unquote, success?
1: I think it will. Mm. Uh, I think that there are some Republicans that uh, are... uh, uh, taking the position you just said, but I, th- I don't think that uh, that will be the leadership um, in in the House, which they're going to take. We don't know about the Senate. Um, so uh, I think it would be very hard for them to, to back off uh, and, and move in the other direction politically.
0: So how do you see an
1: end to this war? I don't know. And, and I think anyone who tells you they know, they, they don't know. I do know that Putin has put himself in a position where he he can't walk back. We say he went over the bridge and he set it on fire behind himself. He can't go back. He's in a, a place where he has very few options. Uh, so I don't know. But I, I do know that. He's. There will not be a return to business as usual for him.
0: Is he threatened internally? I mean, is do we see any signs of?
1: No one. Knows. We don't know. Maybe the CIA knows. CIA, uh, of course, knew that the war was coming. Um, they were. They were right on that. So maybe they know.
0: Okay, so we will wait to see what will go, what will happen let, to survive the winter to, for starters. And
1: I, think we're, I think it's, you know, everyone, everyone thinks that wars can be short. And, and my study of war, and I've studied war for a long time, it, it's not true. Wars always surprise you, and they always take on almost a life of their own. And that's what's happening here.
0: Professor Schultz, thank you so much for your time. I hope I will have the pleasure to talk to you again in the future.
1: I would be delighted.
0: Thank you.